0: Welcome to Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. I'm your host, Carrie Roberts, and I'll be showing you how average, everyday people have chosen to make positive changes in their life to accomplish what makes them happy. I hope this podcast will allow you to feel a connection with people who have something in common with you and make you realize you can have the life you want. Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome. Today, my guest is the one and only Kukawa Cheruboa Nuwama, and I am so, so excited. She is the creator of Kukawa Fitness, so thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. This is uh, uh, an opportunity and an excitement at the same time. Yes. So let's talk about, from the very beginning, you're originally from Ghana, Africa, Can you talk about what young Kukua was like as a kid growing up in Ghana, Africa?
1: (laughs) So, yes, I'm from Ghana, West Africa. And, uh, you know, I was born and raised there uh, all the way up to 21, actually. So uh, I can remember my mom saying when she was pregnant with me, there was a lot of movement going on in her stomach, so she thought that I was a boy. And uh, of course, I popped out I was a girl in those days they did not know before <laughs> beforehand. So then she said, "You know, after she realized that I got into dance and choreography and all that, she said, "Now I know why I thought you were a boy. You were choreographing in my in my stomach." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so growing up, I was uh very athletic, very. I can use the word feisty, you know. I was all over the place. Uh, I was also a little tomboy, cause I am one who would do the climbing of the trees and what have you with my brothers. Uh, but I was always looking for dancing, and anytime I did little vanishing acts, like my mother would say, "Have you seen kukura? Have you seen kukura?" And they would say, "Well, all you got to do is listen for the drums or listen where the music is." right there in the middle. Sure enough, they would find me there. So I started moving the Bumsi a very long time ago, at the age of three. And uh, I grew up there. So in Africa, you know, education is really number one. So they, my parents, were not were not settling for the fact that I wanted to be a dancer. They wanted me to go to school. To go to college, to graduate, and do the whole nine yards, because they wanted to be sure I could take care of myself. So uh, I did. I stayed in Ghana, went to school until the age of 21 when I left. I went to school in another African country called the Ivory Coast, and followed uh, suit. And went to Paris and did my college education there. So it was after Paris that I came to the United States, and uh, I was working before, not 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 to do with dance. I was working more to do with translation. Uh, I speak seven languages, so I translate, and I was doing translations with the World Bank, and you uh, know I did that for like about ten years. And then I decided this is not what I want to do. I want to dance, and that's standoff where I took off into doing my own uh, Kukua African dance.
0: Now, when you uh, you know you came to the U.S. and you started, first of all, seven languages is extremely impressive. Uh, that's insane. And I think when you're here in the U.S. and you're doing this job, were you even dancing like in your house or on the side? Or had dancing kind of stopped and then finally you were like, I have to have dance in my life. I need to do something else.
1: No, dancing never, ever, ever stopped. Even though I was doing this translation, every evening after work, I would go to teach at a gym or some organization. And then I used to live in the Washington, D.C. area. And so I would go to places like, um, you know, the World Bank where I was Teaching itself, I was teaching there. The, uh, all the different international organizations had me teaching there. And then, of course, the gyms, uh, such as Equinox, and some of these other ones that uh, are not there anymore today because it's been a while. But uh, I was then teaching every night. And it started with really one class, went to two classes, three classes, four classes, five classes. And it got so busy to the point where I ended up teaching seven classes a day. Mm. So by then, I wasn't doing the trans. I, I switched it. I was doing the translations late at night and teaching during the
0: day. <laughs> so were you teaching all African dance at the time or were you teaching a variety of styles and fitness and dance? Yes, I was teaching Latin
1: African Caribbean, actually, mm. that's what I, I was I called it, Latino, Africano, caribbeano I don't know if you remember, if you knew me then, but I used to do the three genres of um, of, uh, music. So I was teaching African, then Caribbean, then Latin, all in one. And I would give my classes a taste of all three. Mm. Uh, And so I, I switched it up somewhere down the line when Zumba became... You know, I was out there doing my thing when Zumba came in, and I said, you know what? Even though Africa, even though Caribbean and Latin also derive from Africa, I'm just going to stick to Africa. I think I I'll, I best do that and get more uh, exposure for Africa. So that's what I did. I let it go, and I, I did not call it Latino, Africano, Caribbean anymore. I re-registered it and named it after Gukua. Uh, and I did that because Means to be in for healing, so to be fit, to be well, to be healthy. I thought that was a good and appropriate
0: thing, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, did you find, or you know, when you started doing more of the African, why do you think that so many people gravitated towards that style of dance and fitness?
1: I think they did because number one, African dance is a total body workout. When you do move African dance itself from your head, your head is involved in the dance. Uh, Your entire core is involved in the dance. Then of course, your large muscle groups, your arms and your legs are also involved. There are not too many dancers out there that you can say that for. For African dance, it was everything including you know, the, uh, the puncture, as I call it, the core. So people were like, wow, I can actually get in one class, I can move my entire body and feel like I did both a strengthening and a cardio at the same time. So it got very popular, and the music was unique because it was all African music, very authentic, very different from what people are used to, and real sweet, you know, to the year, and they liked that. So they gravitate, gravitated towards it, and I think the other thing also is when, when I teach African dance, I take them on a trip to Africa. I say, hey, we're going to Ghana now, we're going to Tanzania, and so on and so forth, and then you educate them at the same time because then they get to know what all the different regions of Africa are and what the music is like.
0: Mm, Yeah, and I've taken your class, uh, both your cuckoo fitness and your live African dance with drums, and it's phenomenal. And I can definitely attest to the fact that you use your whole body and your head in a very different way that I had never used before. (laughs) You know, I remember you (laughs) saying that in the U.S., you know, in the U.S., our head is so straight, you know, and so a lot of us are so sure that in Africa, you know, they use the head for so many things, and you don't realize how many different ways it can move. Yes, yes,
1: correct. Correct. And uh, also the fact that it, it really, I think that's what, that that's really the surprise for people. They come into the class and, you know, in African dance, when you move your right arm, you, the, the concept is like this. Wherever your head moves, I'm sorry, wherever your arm moves, your head moves. So if my arm moves to the right, my head has got to go that direction. If I looked up, if my arm went up towards the ceiling, my head would follow and the same for down in whatever direction. And if I was literally uh, rotating my arms around, so with my head, it would go around. And so that was a good, uh, a real challenge for them and a surprise that they had never really danced with their head before. And uh, I think that was intriguing to them as well.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Now, when you were teaching this, because again, you know, dance fitness is always different than like a a regular dance class. How did you keep the authenticity of the African movement? Or did you allow yourself to kind of add a fitness element? So it had a mix of both?
1: Yes. So African dance in itself is very, when we say traditional African dance, because that's what I teach. And then, you know, I'll, I'll explain later down the the line where Afrobeat is more modern as well. But uh, traditional dance is, uh, can be very difficult. It can be. It's very particular where your hands and your arms and your head and your body is all thinking like moving five components of your body uh, all together uh, within the dance. But what I did, which I, I think made the uh, Kukua African dance different, is that my background being that I'm an athlete, you know, I, I used to run track for my school in, in Ghana. I'm an athlete. And I also have, have um, in the United States, taken uh, Ace and all that fitness uh, education. I sort of combined it and decided to make it more fitnessy, more athletic, athletic. And so I brought in a component of fitness married to dance. So it made the African dance a little bit more easier for people to do, and then it's really cardio related because African dance in itself is 100% cardio. When you add the uh, uh, the uh, exercise of fitness as well to it, it, it sort of softens it up a little bit and it, it makes it more teachable for people to do. So I think I succeeded in uh, bringing the two together and and calling it making it my own um, by creating this Kuku African dance, but at the same time, it's an exercise and not just a dance. So you can say it's dance and exercise put together and it created what I have.
0: Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And I think you know when I've taken your class, it's been a variety <laughs> of ages and levels and people that are able to do it and get really really into it. Now, as you've been, you know, at this time when you realize, okay, I'm teaching so many classes that now kind of my day job has kind of become the secondary thing, you know, what was kind of your next thought? You know, did you think, hmm, maybe I should own a gym or own a studio, or did you immediately know you wanted to do a certification program? What was kind of your thought process at that time for the next level? Okay, so
1: I was teaching seven classes a day. That is really ludicrous. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that I think about it, my, my brother-in-law said, my family, you know, they were, we're, we're very close and they were like, either we're going to bury you or you've got to write, write a manual and teach other people how to do this. Duplicate yourself. Because if you don't, I don't know how long you're going to last with seven classes a day at this high <laughs> energy you've got. And so I, I, right.
0: You agree? Yeah. Cause you, first of all, it is hard. I've done that too, but you also have a tremendous amount of energy that I love in the way you speak and move. And so to keep that up for seven hours a day, yeah, that's literally insane.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. And it it was interesting because even though it was seven a day, each class, the energy just was more more and more and more and more. You know, I, I was just psyched to <laughs> go on and people would be like, what, what number is this today? And I'm like, number five. And they're like, darn, you're not even <laughs> tired. You know, but well, so to, to, to definitely uh, get the help I needed, I wrote, I took the, a year, took a year, and I wrote a manual, a manual to certify instructors. So I wrote the methods, I call it the methods, quote unquote. Of my workout, that people had to learn. So it was go- it was really the music and the choreography that people had to learn to be able to teach. Uh, it helped if you had a if you had a dance background, but if you didn't, still you could do it. It just takes longer to learn. But I made it very easy, simple A B C for everybody because um, you know I wanted both males and females to be able to become certified to teach this. Now I succeeded in the first uh um batch I had twelve instructors that joined me and were able to help to teach um this workout of mine and they took it out into the d c area and helped me spread it out so it helped me also decrease my seven classes a day more to like three classes a day, like mm-hmm. one in the morning in the morning afternoon, and then one in the evening and I was like. Oh, no, no more. (laughs) But it really, I needed the help. I also was able to um, do a certification testing just to give the people, like I say to all my instructors, when you take the test, now they take the test online. But before they had to write the test, you know, where technology wasn't where it is today. But I used to tell them, I'm not testing you to fail you. I'm testing you just so that your mind will be wide open as to what is this whole program about? And you then understand the history and, uh, you know, the authenticity of what African dance is, where it comes from, what region, and they get to know the differences between the music. So an instructor can actually hear music from East Africa and say, I know that music comes from East Africa. Oh, I know this one comes from South Africa, and so on and so forth. So The training was intense. It was like eight hours a whole day training. I started actually with three days where it was four hours each day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then I brought it to two days and then now today it's one day plus you can do it online where everything is online now. Um, So that's what I did.
0: And how many instructors do you have certified now? Now I have uh, over a thousand and
1: I, I say Very well handpicked instructors, because this is all over the world. I did not want a dime a dozen instructors, because I want them to be good instructors, and I want them to learn it well. Within the, the thousand plus, and it's a thousand plus, it's not really even exactly a thousand, but a thousand plus. Now, with that amount of instructors, I wanted to make sure that they were delivering the exact message. Uh, of the program, and so I did not just want anybody to get up and get certified and then teach whatever and any way they wanted. But with this, a little bit more controlled amount of instructors, we have we have uh, conference calls, we have meetings online, we sort of get together. They 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 uh, every quarter they get new music, new choreography. We go over it. So for me, I think it's. It, it works better for me this way because then each and every instructor can get a hold of me or my daughters because my daughters work with me and say, "Look, we need help," or "Hey, we need you to come and train some more instructors in our country or in our state." And that's how we're growing it.
0: Mm. I mean, and I I know you know kind of fast forwarding a little bit to now. I mean, I you have the instructors you do trips you have, you know, you do training, you do things you sell, you know, you've really grown this business off of just the one class you started. Do you, like, how do you feel about that? Like, do you look at it kind of in awe or were you like, oh, I knew that was going to happen? Like, what is your feeling when you look at kind of the growth and everything you've created?
1: So I knew that the instructors would multiply. Once upon a time, I thought that my instructors would be like 5,000, 10,000, but I really didn't want that. I controlled it to a point because I didn't want it to be just too much that it, it, it breaks the, it, it ruins it and breaks the program somewhere down the line. But today, what we've done, we've branched out uh, with my with my two daughters um, working with me. The ones from New York and who lives in New York and the one who lives in the DC area, they have helped me, and we have now done what you call Africa trips. So what what we do is. We bring Africa to you without your passport in the classroom. And then we take you to Africa with your passport. And this concept is great because every quarter we we um, go on an African trip to some region of Africa. We go all over. There are 54 countries in Africa. And we go to South Africa, East Africa, uh, Central Africa. North Africa, West Africa, we go all over and we take people there so that they can learn new dances and local dances of the, the indigenous dances right there in the country. They taste the food, they learn the culture, they also get involved with community service. So we actually bring back, uh, you know, whatever, we, we have clo- uh, clothesline and we bring back to the people that make the clothes or the or the book bags or whatever we're selling, we bring back to them so that they can um, make more, you know? And then uh, more than that, we also help villages. We go to the villages in these countries that we visit and we help children with school children with school fees and their school fees is like 20 bucks, you know, and they can't even afford it. So we go, we help them, and then maybe they need, they need bathrooms or, or, or toilets or, or even just simply need new water, water. And so we, we, we help them by bringing in either materials or money. And uh, that way they can build their villages and be able to be more educated and further their education than just being in the villages.
0: Mm, That's really cool. I didn't know there was that component to that and I think that's really beautiful to hear and to see you kind of, I don't know, I just really like how you're keeping the culture and the education of where you grew up and now giving back in the same way to the country that gave to you while educating people around the world. I think that's just a really neat concept.
1: Right, right and this year and we try our best to do all regions. This year we're going to West Africa, Ghana Then we're going to South Africa, Cape Town, Durban, Johannesburg. We're going to East Africa, Kenya, Tanzania. And then we're going to Seychelles because uh, Africa has islands as well, beautiful islands. And we're going to one of the islands is is the Seychelles. So, you know, we do the trips. We also make sure all of our instructors represent Africa by getting the African pants, the African tops and the african book bags and we even have african african uh sneakers <laughs> believe oh, it or nice. not yeah <laughs> yeah and so they get it that the, the inspectors get their discounts for being getting certified and they can wear them and represent africa they also get their education um you know we have every quarter they get a material from from us and they learn more about africa and they can actually educate their classes they can say guys we're going to Central Africa, we're going to Djibouti and they can say something a little bit about Djibouti they've learned, you know. Um, The instructors are also encouraged to go on the Africa trips with us along with it to bring their classes with them, you know. So that program is, I'm proud of that program, really proud of that program. And then the certification is another program. We also do online now, Carrie. We do online. The world is going to towards the online so much with technology. We have live classes every day online, and uh, we go through a platform called uh, uh, bootcamphub.com. We also have streaming. If you want to stream and work out with us, no matter which country or state you're from, it's called coelitv.com. You can stream with us. And um, we also, last but not the least, we do retreats. And we take people to teach them and educate them about Africa. So, you know, I'm all about Africa and I'm going to be one of the ones that's going to make sure that we make a difference and bring, make people more aware that Africa is not just the the dark continent, but Hey, Africa has a whole lot more to offer.
0: Yeah. And I, you're definitely doing that. And I think it's so awesome to see the growth. And I think, you know, if you, I would interested if you'll talk about this a little bit. So, you know, you have two daughters that help you and I know one of them uh, was sick for a while. And I remember you talking to me about, you know, just how important also healthy food is and how that has helped her to recover and be healthier. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. So at the age of 11, my young daughter, and I'm going to call names so that when I, I talk, you, can under, uh, you know who's who. Cassandra's my oldest daughter. Samantha's my youngest. And Samantha, at the age of 11, was diagnosed with lupus. Now, my family doesn't have lupus. My ex-husband's family doesn't have lupus. So we were wondering where that came from. But regardless, they said she had lupus. And at the age of 11, her whole life started going downstream. She was born a perfect child, as every parent would say, my child is perfect, and she was born a perfect child, and, and nothing wrong with her. And at the age of 11, they give her this, quote-unquote, death sentence, and her health started going down because it's an autoimmune disease where, you know, the white blood cells fight the red cells, and your, your immune system is so weak, uh, you catch anything and everything around and so she um, went to school and would miss a lot of classes and, and, and days from school, but we, we were going to the hospitals back and forth, keeping up with her. That was 11. We went through all of that until she was about fifteen, and then she had a uh, pancreatitis where her pancreas just gave up on her, and she was uh, you know admitted in the hospital. They took her through so many surgeries and uh brought her back. And then that was then then about the age of 19, going to 20, she uh was diagnosed with um paralyzation. She ended up in a wheelchair from her entire body because from waist down she couldn't walk and her hands couldn't even function to even hold a pen, let alone a pen in her hand. And um you know, it changed the, our whole family's lifestyle. This is when I reached out and I started doing my research Harry, on um, on natural food and natural eating. And my mother said, you know, let's go back to great-grandma. Great-grandma lived to be 120. Why, oh did she live- <laughs> <laughs> wow. Why did she live to be 120? Yeah. And not only great-grandma and her whole family, her brothers, her sisters, they were all in the hundreds so why did they live that long because of their style of lifestyle of eating and living and so we you know i studied it and i applied it and it's mainly fruits and vegetables and everything else that they ate they grew themselves so they knew what they were getting but they would do more raw they would do almost like 80% raw and then the 20% they would cook and they would in 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 those days there was no juicer or or, or or Vitamix or any of these today uh, nice gadgets we have in the kitchen. They would take cheesecloth, and you know they would grind the uh, vegetable, and then put water in the um, cheesecloth and just squeeze the the carrot or whatever they were they were um, juicing, and then squeeze it, and out came the juice. And that's the juice that they would drink. But that's the juice also that heals the core of your body. It, it goes all the way to your immune system and it heals you. So what I did, I took my daughter off every food you can ever think of in the whole wild world. I mean, seriously, for two solid months. Now, let me tra- backtrack just a quick second. We were, went to eight hospitals and they told me, your daughter is losing weight fast. Your daughter is not getting any better. We've done all the tests we can do. And believe it or not, they did 80 tests on her. None of the tests could, was, was you know, showing that she would live. Everything was showing dead end. She's not going to live. Mm. And so they gave me two weeks to bury her. They said, if I were you, I'd make funeral arrangements. She's losing weight pretty fast. She's now 80, 70-something pounds. You know, she's gone. And I refused. I was, went on my knees. You know, I started praying. I believe in God. I started praying, saying, God, you've got to help me. And, uh, you know, my whole family, we went back to the lifestyle of my great-grandmother and the, um, you know, it, it, I'm sorry, the lifestyle of my great-grandmother, both in food and drink. So I took her off of everything. And she started just juicing, juicing, drinking the juices that I was giving her. What juices was I giving her? Carrots, celery, cucumber, uh, all the colored greens you can think of. The only sweet that was allowed in this um, juice was green apple. And green apple is not so sweet, and yet it gives it a little bit of sweetness so that she can bear it. So that's what she was drinking. She was drinking this uh, four to five times, um, four to five times a day. Um, actually, I started at seven times a day. She was drinking this and came back down to four to five. And the whole month, I juiced her. She did not eat one morsel of food. And her body, from the first week all the way through to the fourth week, was like a flower that had died in in a vase in your room. And the flower just, you put water in the flower and it just starts rising up and opening up like, wow, what happened? And every day she took one step forward and every day she opened her hands even better. And every day her eyes kept popping up better. I mean, her skin blotches were shining. And within the one month, she was able to come out of the wheelchair She was able to um, start, you know, therapeutic walking, like taking one step in front of her. And then she, uh, the second month, I continued doing the same thing. But in the second month, I introduced salad and uh, tossed vegetables and stuff like that.
0: So her whole
1: diet was no food, I mean, sorry, no meat, raw vegetables. And very little fruit, because fruit has a lot of sugar, uh, but natural sugar. And so I gave her that for the two months. She was healed completely. And this is another reason why I wrote the book, African Health Secrets. And my book tells you, there's a chapter in my book that tells you what she went through. So we thought, okay, good. 21, 22, 23, 24, she's doing good. She's now, she she missed one year of school. She went back, she finished college, and then she started her life. Then about three years ago, her kidneys failed on her. From nowhere came her kidneys, just failed on her. Once again, relating to the lupus. She was on dialysis for a year and a half. And uh, my, my family, we're a big family, we all decided, let's all do a test and let's find out who is, uh, you know, able to give her a kidney and who's compatible enough to give her a kidney. So we did all the tests and all. And my fourth sister uh, was the one who sort of matched her.
0: So last
1: Christmas, our Christmas present to our whole family was Samantha got a Brand new kidney from one of my sisters. So this Christmas, she celebrated her one year of no problems with her kidney. And I mean, we were so overjoyed. She's working now. She's, she's doing good. She's quote unquote back to normal. And, you know, we pray every day and thank God every day because with her, <laughs> don't know. She had 16 surgeries all together and uh, her bladder and her colon were perforated along the way so she had more surgery to fix that as well she just been through a lot wow been through a lot but
0: that's that's incredible and, and beautiful uh, i did not know actually all of that that wow that's <laughs> that's a really uh, amazing story kukua and um, you know how and I, I you know hearing you talk today and, and i've known you for a few years How is it that you seem to always stay so positive? You know, where do you think that comes from? And how do you do that, especially when something was so bad like that in your life?
1: So I just said that I believe in God and I pray. There are a lot of religions and the people who believe in different things. My belief in God grounds me a lot. You know, I pray a lot and I'm grounded that way. I also, I'm a very, um, I'm a very positive person. I, I There's this saying, when you get up in the morning, you decide whether you want to be happy or not. You decide. You can say, you know, things are not going well. Uh, you can get in a rut hole and be sad and be mopey and be, you know, miserable. You can decide that. Or you can get up and say, things are not going well, but I refuse. To let it get to me, regardless of what's going on around me, I'm going to give praise and I'm going to give worship and I'm going to be happy and I'm going to smile and I'm just going to look at the positive side of things because when I do, my energies then diverts the whole situation and then it works out for me.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful, and uh, I think that's so important. Like I said, I, I I think people can hear that as you're speaking, and I know I feel that from you. Um, and I think you're right; it's important for us to decide because so many people go through so many things, small or big, and they let that get the best of them. But you know, you've just shown multiple times how you found ways to persevere and push through and create a positive outcome, even when it seemed like there wasn't, which is really impressive.
1: Right, right, and then my daughter uh, Samantha. I wanted her, and, and both of them, actually, the three of us, uh, in Swahili, kukua means to be. And kua vizuri, coming from Swahili, means to be well. Kuwa wanafa means um, to be healthy. And Kuwa inafa means to be fit. And I have this series that is on my website that uh, comes from the three of us, me and my two daughters. Kua vizuri We want to help people who are sick. Anybody who's sick with some sort of, and most of the sicknesses derive from the immune system. And uh, I teach them how to literally go towards the natural and clean, detox your system and start healing your system through Kuwa Vizuri. Now, a lot of people also look at me and they say, or I should say my other daughter, they look at my other daughter. My, My other daughter used to be real heavy you know, hundred uh, 180, almost to the 200. And if, you, if anybody knows today, Coach Cass has really, uh, you know, uh, gone into nutrition and uh, applied it into her life because her sister was sick, looked at what was going on and decided I'm going to turn my life around. And so now she's healthier than what she used to be. And and that's the kuainafa, and then the last one is me. Uh, I'm turning 60 this year. A lot of people look at me and they go, "No, you're just making up numbers." No, I'm turning 60. And people say, "Okay, so there's a secret. Tell me what it is." And that is the kuainafa. So we like to help. We always like to give back and try and reach out and help people. So the three of us have our stories, but we all put it together, and we want to reach out to people. So when they go to our website, they're able to, you know, reach, uh, uh, click on something and learn something that will benefit them. And, um, we also have YouTube. We have Limitless with Loopers. We have the Kukua Fitness on there. We have the Coach Cass Fit, and you can see through videos what you need to do to stay healthy, fit, and well.
0: I love it. And where can people find out about you? What is your website? Our
1: website is www.kukuafitness.com. and Kuku is spelled K W I'm sorry, K U K U W A. dot com. And when you get on there, everything's on there, including even the Africa trips, which is AfricaWith dot com. Just in case you wanted to go just to the trips. But if you go to Kukua fitness you'll get the trips you'll get the healing process you will get everything's on the on the website
0: perfect and the last question i like to ask all my guests kukua is what is one word or quote or mantra that you try to live by every single day ah, that's a good question because i have a few
1: but <laughs> i have a few but one that I, I always one that I always like to live by is um. It's uh, also in Swahili. It says "akuna matata," and I know a lot of Americans know it because of the movie. Don't worry, be happy, "akuna matata," and the reason why I like "akuna matata" is because just the same way I explained to you. There are just so many things going on in life, okay? Not all so good, but you choose to say, regardless of whatever is going on or I'm going through or it's happening around me, I choose to be happy. You choose that road. It's a journey. It's a road, and you choose to be. So I would say my one mantra would be, Akuna Matata, don't worry, be happy.
0: I love it. Thank you so much, Kukua, for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh,
1: thank you so much, Kerry, for having me. I appreciate it too. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would greatly appreciate a review over on iTunes. And if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, be sure to message me over on Instagram at kerry, K E R I dot n dot Roberts. Remember that each of us has something that makes us great. So go out there and show the world what makes you extraordinary.